This podcast aims to help you break in and thrive in advertising. And we do that by sharing the stories and advice from people on the other side. Today, we hear from the GOAT advertising advice influencer. Ashley Rudstein's TikTok account, Stuff About Advertising, has helped thousands of people learn the basics of breaking into advertising. 34.2 thousand followers, to be exact. Her Adweek Creative 100 article mentioned that many of her followers don't want to go to portfolio school or can't afford it. So she's proud to be a resource for them as they make their way into the industry, which makes her a perfect guest. We talk about her break-in journey into advertising and then into TikTok. Few people in this industry are as passionate and excellent at delivering content and advice in exciting ways. Ashley submits her recommended resources on our Instagram at breaking and entering pod, all one word at breaking and entering pod. And you'll want to follow her on TikTok if you haven't already. That's stuff about advertising. Now on with the show. This is the breaking and entering advertising podcast. And as usual, I am your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Ashley Rudstein, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. Thank you so, so much. We had a little bit of technical difficulties before this, but I'm so happy that you're here. You're, you're sticking with me. This is going to be a fantastic, this is going to be a fantastic episode because you're just, you're so well known and I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours and it's, it's really a dream to have you on this podcast. So thank you again. It's going to be fun. Thank you. It, it's been a long time since I've done a podcast, like before quarantine started. So I'm excited to get back into it. Great. Great. So yeah, you will, let's talk about you and you know, we can talk about your TikTok career. We can talk about how you just entered freelance. We have a lot to talk about mm-hmm. here. So really let's hit the ground with who you are and what you do. So I am a freelance creative director and copywriter. Freelance, like you said, is pretty new for me. It's been almost a year, but that's definitely a new endeavor for me. And then I also, on the side, have a TikTok account called Stuff About Advertising, where I kind of commiserate about life in advertising, make fun of it quite a bit, just have some fun. And then I'm also there to educate people to help um, welcome different people into the industry. Like a lot of people have never even heard of advertising as a possible career choice. So that's kind of what I found uh, TikTok to be really useful for is to educate the younger generation on what it is we do. Yeah, absolutely. And I've always been a big fan of it and super helpful and it aligns with the content of the podcast. So it just makes sense. And you also, do I, do I read this correctly? You were an adjunct professor at Temple University. Yeah. So I actually just ended that, but I did two semesters uh, where I was teaching intro to copywriting at Temple And the only reason I left is just because doing freelance and teaching at the same time was just a little bit too much on my plate, but I absolutely loved teaching. It's, it's a required major course for people in the advertising uh, major at Temple. So, you know, you get some people who really don't care about copywriting at all, which is interesting. Um, Oh, wow. You taught intro to copywriting, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's like a big deal. I feel like. It should be. I mean, if it's a mandatory course, well, and we can get into that later, but that that's definitely something that I'm interested down the line. 
So that's super cool. Mm-hmm. But my quick question here is, is so you're saying, do is this correct to assume your freelance career, it takes more time than when you were in agency life? Because you couldn't, be, you were able to balance being an instructor when you were working for an agency, but that shifted when you went freelance. Mm-hmm. So is there, is there more work being freelance? It's, it's more so about giving availability to people like, you know, some agencies want you fully dedicated all day, all week, whatever it is. And when I have teaching stuff, I can't really give that to them because I have to be available to grade and grading takes a lot of time with copywriting. It's subjective. It takes a lot of feedback and revisions. So that's super time consuming. And then I also have to be available to talk to students because that's one of my favorite parts about teaching is one-on-one conversations, answering questions. So I have like office hours and, you know, I can't be fully dedicated for a freelance job if I have that. So while I love teaching and I want to do it again in the future, it's just really hard to balance that with a freelance job. Oh, okay. So I might've made a mistake here. Were you, were you, so were you teaching and working at an agency at the same time or was that a sole job? It kind of happened very close together. So I, I okay. got the teaching job, but I didn't start until after I left full-time. But when I was okay. at the agency and I talked to my my leadership there, they were very open to giving me the time that I needed to teach. Because especially it was an online class. It's asynchronous, meaning I just film my lectures. I talk to a camera and then the students watch whenever they want. And, you know, doing TikTok, I'm really used to talking to a camera. Mm-hmm. So it worked out pretty nicely. But yeah, it, it I got the job before I actually left full-time. Gotcha. That makes sense. Just wanted to clarify that. So tell us, I want to know, like, what is it like working freelance and, you know, doing TikTok on the side? Like, what does your life look like? Do you love it? (laughs) Like, we talked before, (laughs) it seems like you're you're less stressed. So that's good. But tell us what it's like, like on that side of the road. I mean, there's, there's pros and cons just like there is with full time. I, like I was telling you before, I have very little stress and I think that comes from not being tied long-term to anything. Like, obviously I still care about my clients. I still want every piece of work I give them to be good and successful, but knowing that I'm out in a month or two, it, I just have no stress. It's, it's a weird feeling. You know, if you have a bad meeting with a client, and you're full time, you're constantly thinking, how is this going to change our relationship and our dynamic going forward? How is this going to you know, change the precedent of like what kind of work we give them or whatever it is? But being a freelancer, you can just peace out. You don't have to deal with a bad client after that. So that part is really, really nice. But I also have very little structure in my life now. I'm a, uh. I'm a big procrastinator. I'm kind of lazy sometimes and that doesn't really work out well with freelance because you have to, you know, be your own project manager. And I've, I've like openly, you know, struggled with that and talked about that with my audience online, like help me be more motivated, help me find tools that I can use to be my own project manager. And my, you know, my followers have been really nice. They've offered some awesome tools like ClickUp. I started using ClickUp and that's like the most amazing um, thing I've ever found. (laughs) It's like a task-based browser thing. It's like I have 
I have a list for all my freelance work and I can change the status of, you know, I need to write this, this needs feedback, whatever. Oh. And then I do the same thing with my TikTok content. I actually use ClickUp for that too. Cause it's I have like Trello. Like I've used Trello. Yes. Yes. It's just like Trello. Okay. And I was, yeah, I just, awesome. I just reached out to my mentor. I'm like, how do I stay organized? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like in agency life. Yes. So ClickUp. Interesting. So mm-hmm. I, but it, so the pros, you're not kind of like tied long term. So do you does that mm-hmm. make like your work like make you braver, more out there? Like I don't know. Like is, so you're saying it gives you some freedom, right? And like to really mm-hmm. push the boundaries. Yeah, I think you definitely have more freedom to be weird and out there because especially if you're freelancing for an agency, usually they're bringing you in because you know, maybe their team is on like round 16 of something and they're totally exhausted, have no ideas left in their brain. So you come in as like the savior, fresh brain. So you kind of have to be a little bit crazier with your ideas and more out there. And you also have less uh, knowledge of the brand. You have less knowledge of what the client likes and doesn't like. So you're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Are you like joining... So are you joining creative meetings with like, like agency creative teams that are, that, that are full-time or is it just kind of yeah. like your own project on the side? It's, it's a mix of both. Usually with agencies, you know, part of the team, there was one job I had where I had four different art director partners in the span of two months <laughs> because oh their, their team was just kind of in flux and it was pretty chaotic. So, you know, as a freelancer, you have to be able to do the work yourself with campaign concepting. You're used Mm -hmm. to bouncing stuff off of a partner and having that person to talk through things with. But as a freelancer, you don't always have that luxury. So thankfully, my husband also works in advertising. So I force him to concept with me sometimes. (laughs) Is he art director? He's a copywriter. I wish he was an art director Uh, because we could be the perfect team. I know. That would be... (laughs) I I think about that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, though. Where does he? He just actually went in-house. So he's working on just like a bunch of different brands here in Colorado. He was at an nice. agency for a while, but but that in-house life was just calling to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Great. So other, so anything else about freelance? I mean, like, I want to kick it back to really like, to how you first broke into advertising, like what made you say, mm-hmm. Hey, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do for a living. What was that moment in your life? Like all the way back to the beginning of my career. So I going? mean, yeah, I mean like I want to kick it back <laughs> and then we'll, we can ladder up to your TikTok success and all that. Yeah. Well, um, so I had a YouTube channel back in college just for fun, like making ridiculous little skits and, rant videos and vlogs. And, you know, it was back in like prime YouTube days. So I, my dream was to be a YouTuber. And I was actually a chemistry major at the time. And when I was doing YouTube, I was like, this is so much more fun than anything I'm doing in school. And when I thought about doing chemistry for the next three years of my life, plus more, because I wanted to be a pharmacist. So to take you in more school, I was just like, what am I doing? This is a terrible decision. I love YouTube. Like, let me see if there's something I can do with that. So I went to my advisor. It was like, it's so cringy now when I look back at it. 
it was literally just like me talking to the camera. It's kind of similar to my TikTok, honestly, but it wasn't advertising focused. Of course, it was just right. random stories in my life and silly skits and like just the most random stuff ever. I actually watched a couple of the videos just a few days ago because my mom was asking about one of them and I was cringing so hard, but I also still love them at the same time. Yeah. It's just embarrassing. <laughs> How many, any, any viral videos? Nothing went super viral, but I did have like 2000 subscribers. So, you know, okay. it was like decent yeah. for back then. But yeah, so I, I was like really wanting to do more of that. I love just making stuff. So I went to my college advisor and literally like that month they had just introduced a new major which was information communication technology which is a long way of saying half it half communications um so i immediately switched my major to that got an internship at a social media agency in town so i started in social and then i just kind of kept going from there and you went to florida state yes right gotcha so you what was what was that that agency actually doesn't exist anymore because <laughs> it was so small. I think they right. got bought out by someone. But then I got my first like real job, like my big job that I consider was at an agency. It was in Tallahassee, same place as Florida State. It was it was called the Zimmerman Agency, also yeah. bright red. Not not that Zimmerman. There's another oh, Zimmerman that everyone that knows. One in my, <laughs> yeah, there's one in like yeah. Miami, right? Or so. Yeah, with Jordan Zimmerman. Thankfully, I was not at that one. Cause he's a little too intense for me. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. But no, it was well, like a get... smaller Zimmerman agency. When did, when was that? Was that an internship? Was it full time? Like tell us about the break in for that. It started, it was part time and then it moved into full time. I actually, it was funny because, you know, this was back like early social media days when we were still convincing people, convincing brands to make Facebook pages and to get on Twitter and make content. Wow. So it was a weird time in social media. And so this agency, like, you know, no one really knew anything about social. So the social team was kind of outcasts. Like we were in a basement. We were just a bunch of college kids just making random content and writing random stuff and, you know, just doing it ourselves. And because of that, I, as a 20-year-old, was promoted to digital content manager. So I was managing a team of social people. So we were like, you know, doing social listening, community management. We were making all the content ourselves. I was kind of like a little mini creative director back then, yeah. like now that I think about it. So that's what really got me interested in the creative side of things because I was kind of forced to do everything. So. Yeah. And I mean, were people like looking over your content, like to approve it? Were they picky about it? Or was it like, all right, whatever you say, some clients were pretty lax and we got to do whatever. My main client was not great. <laughs> like to this day, the worst client I've ever worked for in my life. He was just a horrible person. He ended up getting fired. So it's okay that I'm saying that. But yeah, he would like just really, really tear up our content. At one point, he wanted us to post 14 times a day on Facebook. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So that was an experience. But it, I mean, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people who have like really terrible, miserable jobs when they're first starting out. And as much as it sucks, I do recognize that that job 
set me up to be who I am today because I had to go through so much hard stuff at the very beginning of my career. I feel like it hardened me a lot. Maybe I'm a little more jaded than most people are at this point in their career, but I feel like it helped me. Like I, I don't put up with stuff anymore. I, I know what I need to do. Like it, as miserable as I was, I learned a lot. So, you know, there's, there's trade-offs. <laughs> I think though, like your content today and like, there's so many resources out there now maybe as compared to back then. And the resources out there today are really kind of looking after young talent and like trying to direct them in the right path, educate them, mm-hmm. give them the tools necessary. So they don't hopefully have to suffer in their first job. I yeah. feel like even though it is a, a learning experience, there's better ways to probably, or there's more effective ways to learn nowadays. Oh yeah, totally. And that's, that's one of my big, purposes of being on TikTok and teaching people about stuff is helping young people know what to look out for, what red flags to to identify so that they don't have to go through the same kind of stuff that a lot of us did. Because I want, you know, this this industry has a lot of issues and we all love to complain about it, but I want to help fix it. We we shouldn't just keep complaining. We should take actions to fix the problems that we always complain about. <laughs> oh, well, let's talk about that. So I'm curious. You said look for red flags, green. Let's talk about red flags and green flags for like when you're searching for an agency and we don't have to say names, but let's also compare that to when you first, when you first broke into like, or your next like copywriting job when you were looking like Mm -hmm. to look back and compare. Yeah. I mean, everyone loves to joke about how agencies say they're like a big family. (laughs) When, when that's, when that's the first thing that they tell you in an, in an interview, I feel like that should be a red flag because that means that they spend an awful lot of time together. And I, you know, I've seen job listings that say must be willing to work long hours. And, you know, why is that even in there? Let's get that out of there. That doesn't belong there. Because, you know, again, like everyone's just. They just accept that that's how advertising is. You have to work long hours. You have to work weekends, but you don't, you don't really have to, (laughs) it's just advertising. And if that's a normal thing for the agency, then that's a huge red flag. You, that should only be, you know, reserved for pitches or things that really are requiring a little bit more time and dedication. And hopefully it's a fun project that makes you want to stay and keep working on it. I've worked on so many things like that, where I go home and I keep concepting because I'm really excited about something and that's totally fine. But when they like force you to do it, that's a huge issue. Or they shame you or anything like that. My problem is I think maybe now with like the cross between like in-person and virtual, like the hybrid model, like I see people on really late at night, like I'll check and stuff like that. It makes Mm -hmm. me feel like I need to, but then I'm just, I shut my laptop. I'm like, it's all good. Like I'm caught up enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But there are people out there. Well, that, and that also kind of worries me, like, as I'm looking ahead at these people that, you know, are five, 10 years older than me, like, is this what I'm going to be doing? Like staying up till 11 o'clock at yeah. night for the rest of my career? Is that something I want to do long term? I don't know, but I want to have a family. I want to have kids and I want to have a like outside life. Like, is that, mm-hmm. that worries me? Like, am I in the right career? You know, if I'm going to have to commit all these hours. It seems pretty crazy and and not sustainable. Oh, 100%. And when you look on Reddit and Fishbowl and see 
the number of women who are posting, how do you have a kid and work in advertising? That should be a big red flag right there. Like the fact that so many women are worried about it. I'm worried about it myself. Or, or I was when I was full time. It's, it's very, very difficult for anyone to have a family and be stuck with those kinds of hours and stress. I mean, it, it comes to a point where at least in the career lifespan, it's like you go big agency and then you go smaller agency, maybe and then you go in-house or freelance. Yeah. <laughs> like what there obviously are those people that, you know, they, 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 they love it. They can fit, they figure it out. It's great. Like it's not for everybody, but I, I don't know. I like that seems to me like tr- the, the fact that we need to go freelance or in-house just to stay sane and like have a life. I think that's a pretty big issue that we need to talk about. I totally agree. And yeah, that is the natural path for people. But I would hope that we can get to a point where agencies can be a long-term thing for people and they don't have to escape to freelance life or in-house. It's going to take a while to get there, but I think it can. I think it's exciting to see Gen Z coming into the industry because they really won't put up with this. They, They won't. They're their dedication and commitment to their own lives and their quote unquote work-life balance is yeah. way more intense than any generations that have come before them. And I appreciate it. And I think this industry needs that because, you know, so many agencies are used to these really desperate people who are like, please, I'll do anything to work for you. But like, that's not going to yeah. keep happening. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. That's a good point. So your and kicking back to your story now what was like your first copywriting gig because we talked that you were kind of like a social media director for a while Mm -hmm. so when did you really kind of specialize into copywriting so after my social job because i was doing a little bit of everything in that job when i was doing analytics and reporting i was like at my happiest which is so strange analytics I know it's insane, but because of that, I was like, Ooh, I should be an analyst. So I, I got an internship at Crispin actually out in Boulder as an analytics intern. And when I was doing that, I loved my team. They were great, but man, I hated numbers. I just could not do that all day, every day. I quickly realized like a couple days into that internship, that that was not for me. Thankfully, One of the copywriting interns actually had to leave the program. So she left her art director partner alone. And so I was like, hey, can I help you? Like, I'll I'll jump in on some of the briefs you're doing. I'll help you brainstorm. Like, I really want to get into this. So I did some work with him. I had an old copywriting friend who was giving me, like, tasks and little projects to do to get my portfolio going. And then I ended up getting a copywriting internship at EVB, Evolution Bureau, in Boulder, they took a chance on me because I didn't really have, you know, definitive copywriting experience in my book. It was all just social, but I think they liked that I had a a different background and a different perspective on things. I knew, I knew kind of the agency structure a little bit more than I think most interns would. So they took a chance on that experience and hopefully they think it worked out. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, that was my first copywriting job. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then did you ever develop a portfolio or body Yeah, of work? I mean, back then it was 
mostly social content and then some spec work that I did. I actually ended up hiring an art director to make some ads for me. I know that there are other options now, which is great. Like makeadswithme.com. I keep telling people to go use that so they can not What's have that to, one about? <laughs> to get work made. You, is that um, like a, you just a kind of put in pairing? your... Yeah, like it's it says I'm a copywriter looking for an art director or vice versa or whatever, and it pairs you up with people who are looking to do work together. So that's a, an amazing uh, resource for people. Yes, yes, because portfolio schools are expensive. Yes, very. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Make ad. I've never heard of that. You so you, did you recognize that you needed a portfolio before you you. You got hired? I did, yeah. Because I, my copywriting friend that I was talking to actually went to Creative Circus. So he had told me about his portfolio. I'd seen his and I kind of recognized how important that was for getting a a job as a creative. So I, I just kind of hobbled one together. I mean, even though I was just doing social, I was doing a lot of writing. I I had a ton of social content that I wrote. And even, you know, drawings and stuff that I did. So I was thinking strategically while making these social posts. So I feel like they were still really good representations of how I could think and mm-hmm. what I could make. And especially the weird stuff, you know, it showed that like I could concept, I could do weird stuff and <laughs> have right. fun with things. Um, especially back then, like social, that's when everyone was really just experimenting with social and doing some weird stuff. I feel like we're getting weirder now with TikTok, but we went through a phase where it was like, no one understands social, just try anything. And then it was very, you know, polished, aesthetic kind of social. And now it's Super getting back polished. into the raw weirdness with TikTok. Yeah. So. <laughs> I love it. Well, no, that's what everybody talks about. Like we had TikTok present to our agency and that was really interesting. Like trying to crack the code, like Duolingo. Mm-hmm. I know they're doing really well. Yeah. But. Yeah. So when, you know, I want to fast forward then to like, when did you first get on TikTok and what made you decide to make this account? So I think like a lot of people, I got onto TikTok out of quarantine boredom. I've always been into new platforms and stuff. Like back when I was doing social, I don't know if you remember the app Jelly. Does that sound familiar at all? No. No. <laughs> no one wait. knows Jelly. <laughs> wait, tell me more cuz it might ring it a bell this, later. It was this new social app that they were trying to get going where you would post a question and anyone could answer your question. Now that I it was it was called Jelly. I don't know why okay. it was called Jelly, but that's what it was. I remember so you, doing a whole presentation to my client to convince him to let us get on Jelly and he thankfully said yes, which was surprising. So our team was like really excited, like we're on this brand new app that no other brand is on. And then it just disappeared very quickly. But I'm always like into finding new stuff like that. So when I heard of TikTok, which was musically, I, of course, had to get on it. And I just started noticing all the different trends and things that people were doing and how you would. It's just like a meme. I mean, you take a sound and you make it relative to your own niche or whatever you talk about. And I was like. I love advertising. I have so many jokes and scenarios and things I can talk about with agency life. Like I'm I'm just going to start making some videos. So I did and it took off way quicker than I was expecting and it kind of just blossomed into this more educational thing and 
I don't know. It's just been kind of a whirlwind. I mean, it only started two years ago. So <laughs> how often do you post? I try to post every day. That doesn't always happen. Yesterday, I posted three times in a day. So it's all very different. I try to be consistent, but it's just, well, it's a little hard. <laughs> what's your, what's your like creative process for that? Do you just have like all these scenarios that you try to like flex to the different trends or what? So I have a whole list of topic ideas or trends that I like. And then if I need to make a video, I'll just kind of go on that list and say like, I want to make a video about timesheets. And then I find a a fun trend to do with that. Sometimes I'll just be scrolling through and I'll find something and think I'm going to make a video on this right this second. And I do that. A lot of people will like batch their content. Well, they'll film 15 videos in a day so that they can post consistently. I would love to do that, but I don't have the patience. And I, my husband was just making fun of me saying that I'm such a creative director because I do this thing where I write a bunch of ideas that I'm really excited about, but then I don't film them. And so they just kind of sit there and then I get bored with them and I don't like them anymore. So I need new ideas. So that's a little difficult. (laughs) I don't really have much of a process. It's kind of just whatever I'm inspired by that day. What's your for you page look like? Oh my gosh. It's a lot of cats. There's, I mean, I follow, I try to follow a lot of like marketing, advertising people. And then for some reason I'm getting a lot of like parenting stuff, which is weird, maybe foreboding. I don't know. But yeah, so it's kind of all over the place. My mom constantly sends me cat videos. So that's really affecting my for you page. Yeah. For you page. (laughs) Exactly. I guess. So is your TikTok for aspiring advertisers or people that broke break that want to break into advertising or people in advertising? Like what's the target demographic? I think all of the above, or at least I hope so. I think a lot of the humor is, is geared towards, you know, agency vets or people who are already, you know, in the thick of it. But then all the educational stuff is geared more towards juniors or people who are still in high school or college and haven't even gotten into their careers yet. And then I want to get to a point where I can help, you know, maybe mid-level people even just kind of enhance their skills and get better at what they're doing. So, you know, I, I try to do a balance because I want to please everyone. I'm a people pleaser. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I love the education stuff. If you can, for the mid-level, if you can educate like that, figure out that demographic, mm-hmm. I would be all in. I mean, even more so. I would really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Like people that are Definitely. like two, three, five years in. Perfect. If you were to go back in time now and look at your break-in mm-hmm. strategy and all the things you've learned about copywriting, like how would you tackle breaking into advertising today? Like, what would be your strategy? You've just graduated college. What what are you doing? I think I would, I mean, I'd get on TikTok. I think that's a perfect place to show your creativity and just do whatever the heck you want to do. And I think agencies are warming to a different way of, showcasing your work. I think portfolios got really cookie cutter for a while. And now with TikTok and Gen Z kind of doing their own thing, I think 
showing that you can be creative with some TikToks would be a great way to capture an agency's attention and produce your own work. Show how scrappy you can be. Show how creative you can be on your own. I I would probably do that. Try to get someone's attention specifically with a TikTok. Okay. So that may be paired with a couple campaign concepts and executions or all just mm-hmm. only, only TikTok. Yeah. I mean, you should have a portfolio, of course. I I just, you know, all those little stunts that people do to try to get their foot in the door, like sending a shoe to the agency <laughs> to get literally get their foot in the door. That stuff is like, is fine. But if you don't have a portfolio that backs it up, then it's completely worthless. You know, we had, I remember someone at our old agency had a magician come in and like present this person's resume with a card trick. And while that was cool, the portfolio was really lackluster. So it's just like, sorry, like it was a really cool thing, but I just don't know if you can think or concept the way that we need you to. So I think there's a balance. You got to have the work to back up your little stunty thing that you do. But the TikTok's but I not a stunt. Think, I want to make that separate. No, like TikTok, yeah, no, no, that's different from a stunt. Stunt's like, yeah, you roll a Coca-Cola bottle or something. Yeah. You roll, put your resume in a shoe. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. I yeah, I, know I mean, somebody, there's, there are some that are cool, there, yeah. like the girl that did the that painted herself gold and stood in front of McCann, like fearless girl. Like that stuff is oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah, but yeah, there the, there was a guy that requested 50, 50 grand on Venmo. Yes, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. There's a fine line. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you would get on TikTok. You would have a portfolio. How would you have made? Like, you're not going to go to portfolio school because well, we don't want to do that, mm-hmm. right? We don't want to pay for that. But like a lot of the undergrad like programs do not have a great portfolio system built yeah. in, in undergrad schools. So, I mean, if you can get ahead of it early on, like your freshman, sophomore year, like or like, get you know, get content early on, you're in a better position. But there are seniors out there that want to break into copywriting or art direction that have no like maybe one or two okay pieces figured out Mm -hmm. from their class projects but it's hard out there for these undergrads you know it's surprising to me i think i i see that too i see a lot of people sending in portfolio you know quote-unquote portfolios from their undergrad program and it's nothing like what the agency world is looking for and i think it's surprising how few of these students are looking at portfolios and looking at ads out in the world. They're just in their little bubble in school and think that everything in their classroom is what they need to know for the, for the real world. And they have no um, understanding of what they actually have to make. So it's, I think they need to kind of break out of that, even if they don't have a strong portfolio program or class in their undergrad program, like, Go on Modern Copywriter and look at all of those portfolios. Look at examples from actual portfolio schools. Just You just have to kind of immerse yourself in that to understand it. Because, yeah, a lot of the early portfolios that I see are like, you know, like corporate kind of looking portfolios where there's not really much creativity and it's 
you know, everyone has a photography page on their portfolio. And I'm just like, you don't need that. As a copywriter, you don't need photography in there. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Amazing. So resources that, I mean, you talk about resources on your TikTok all the time, mm-hmm. right? So if they, people want to connect with you or, you know, watch your TikToks, find more resources, like how to break in advertising, where can they go? How can they find TikTok's probably the best place because I share so much, like you said. So it's stuff about mm-hmm. advertising. I also am totally open to people DMing me on Instagram. I am constantly answering questions and helping people as much as I can. That's also stuff about advertising. And if you want to email me, that is also stuff about advertising at gmail.com. I'm, I try to be as helpful as I possibly can. I'm constantly like taking quick little meetings with people and doing portfolio reviews and stuff. So I'm 100% open to that. Nice. And the last question really is like, maybe what's the best advice you can give to somebody that wants to break into advertising? I would say to let yourself filter loose a little. I I think I held myself back a lot in my career by being nervous about what people think of me or not confident in my own abilities. And I would filter out a lot of my ideas because I thought they were stupid. But stupid ideas are how you get to the good ones. So you have to really just be vulnerable with your partner and just say the stupidest things that pop into your brain and just not be afraid of bad ideas. I was really, really afraid of bad ideas. And I think that that stunted a lot of my concepting days. And I wish I wasn't like that. I'm still like that. I don't think we ever really grow out of that. But just letting yourself be strange. <laughs> I love that. You got to be comfortable with your partner and that yeah. that, that helps. But, but yeah, like let somebody else, like for me, it's like always, like I always thought about like, let somebody else reject your idea. Don't you reject it beforehand yeah. and, you know, fight for what you believe in, but don't shut yourself out right away. And that's what I did when I would turn in, you know, a list of headlines to my creative director. I had already filtered out all the ones that I thought were crap, but you know, obviously I don't want to give him 15 pages of really terrible headlines and make him fish through all the ones to find a good one. But I, I think I edited too much because the whole point is for a creative director to guide you based on the ideas that you have. And if he can't see your ideas, then he's not going to be able to help you. So. Yeah. That makes sense. Great. Well, I have no more questions, Ashley. This has been a fantastic conversation. We know how to find you, but yeah, this is, this has been great. I have no more. That's all I got. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests, better break-ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram at Breaking and Entering Pod. It's all one word breaking and entering pod on Instagram. We have links to their portfolios and their LinkedIn and they want to connect. So do that. And thank you. Thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio engineer and Uchan Zhang, our creative director. Can't do without you two and a team from the University of Illinois. It's a student team 
from the agency called AdBuzz, their PR agency. And it's been a pleasure working with them. Thank you all so much. And we will see you next week with another amazing guest.